David, I, I love these sales talks. Can, can you help? Because I think that especially some of the younger producers that come in, they get real kind of skeeved out or it's icky to eject, right? So they end up, once they've found that this is an unqualified, non-suspect, like they're just, it's, it's not going to work. They still end up sitting there eating up a half hour of their time. How do you eject without, number one, feeling bad? And number two, just keeping it okay. So, buckle up. It's the Insurance Dudes Podcast. Boom. We are, yes. Yeah. We're here. (laughs) Already stepping on each other. We just started. I killed your momentum. I can't. I'm sorry. (laughs) Do it again, Craig. Come on. You have such good. Introduce David. Boom. Yes. Oh, look at that excitement from Mr. Final Expense. Is that it? Ooh. It's because it's final. Is that a Pilsner? I wish, man. Uh, oh. Four o'clock, I should have started drinking four hours ago, really. Right, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's work day. Five, five o'clock in Europe. That's right. There you go. <laughs> well, cool. Hey, um, welcome welcome to the Insurance Dudes. We're glad to have you on. Um, I'm Craig, and that's Jason over there. And, and uh, what are we going to start with, Jason? Well, it's the first question, of course. And David, what was the first concert you ever went to, as young as you can remember? Oh man, what did I? Metallica concert? I think I went Ooh. to a Metallica concert Ooh. in uh, Boston at the uh, the Celtics Arena. Mm. Uh, I think that's the what only concert are? I've I've actually ever been to. Uh, wow. Yeah. One and done. I don't get out of the house much. I'm too busy working. <laughs> if you're going to do one and done, Metallic is the one to do it with. So I, I, one I was close to being at, which is the 15-year uh, anniversary, uh, was the reunion of Pink Floyd uh, in Hyde Park. I was in London on a, um, uh, what is it? Uh, I, I went to school at Boston University, and we had a summer thing over there. What do they call that? I don't know. Anyways, at a school. Internship. Something like that. I did some credits over there, but I was right in front of Hyde Park where they held the Live 8, I think it was what it was called. You guys remember that? Um, unfortunately, yeah. I didn't actually go to it, but I was right next to it, and I wish I was. Oh, cool. Okay. Was what that when they were the tearing? Tour? Say that again? What, what tour was the Metallica tour? I don't know. I Somebody gave me free tickets, so I went. You know, <laughs> I, I kind of tagged along. <laughs> Perfect. Cool, man. So for... For everybody, tell us your story. How did you get where you are today? And yeah, tell, tell us that, insurance. Uh, that journey. A mm. desperation, my friend. Uh, I had no other <laughs> choice. Why would anybody want to sell insurance, right? It's when yes. you don't have any other options. So I, I had a personal training gym. <laughs> Too many in, felonies. Yeah. <laughs> back in 2010, 2011, I, I was a personal trainer and huh? uh, smack dab during the Great Recession. Uh, my business wasn't doing well, and I could see well enough in the future that I was going to have to get out of it. So I started looking for jobs elsewhere. Nobody was hiring, and I got desperate. And what do desperate people do? They sell insurance or look at selling insurance. So <laughs> I stumbled across Final Expense. I liked it a lot, um, got into it, did well for my first 10 or 11 months, and then actually failed out after uh, I decided I was smarter than the system. I remember the day clearly I, when I emotionally quit, I had $95 in my bank account, a pissed off wife, uh, an infant or a small son. 
and uh, got back into the workforce, hated that with a passion and realized that selling insurance wasn't nearly as bad as working for somebody else. <laughs> and uh, skied my way back into it part time for a year. And then right as my wife was about to deliver twins, what did I do? I quit my full time job with benefits and went back into selling insurance. So smart. the rest is history. So uh, she must have been thrilled. Out. Yeah. Yeah. We actually did an interview, my wife and I, and, uh, it was good. Cause, cause she admitted I was right. You know how good it feels what? when your wife says you're right. I mean, that was rarely that was, happens in America. That was rarely the one time. Happens. The right one time. was my decision. <laughs> one. Was still 20, <laughs> 20, hold on. 22 years, two times. I've been right. <laughs> okay. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I remember them both. So, well, awesome. Um, and and now uh, you you're specialized. You're more specialized, correct? Was that yeah? PNC? So when you, you say PNC? specialized, like final expense, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my bread and butter uh, product okay. line that I sold as an agent. Um, I've yeah. moved into an agency building role, and we do other senior insurance products. So. Medicare is a growing part of the business now. Certainly annuities as well, but final okay. expenses. Final expense is like a gateway drug into the insurance business. Okay. It's a simple product to get to. There's a lot of different ways you can go eventually if you want to move on to something like Medicare or annuities. But uh, a lot of agents get started in it. Simple product, lots of prospects, you know, things you need when you sell insurance. So what do you think is the, has been the, the biggest, the, the best way that you've been able to, your acquisition strategy? How, how do you go out? How do you get new business? Buying leads? And, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. So, so our business model is entirely built on purchasing leads. We don't do a project 100 or 200. We don't bother our friends and family. Uh, we're buying leads of some caliber of various quality. And our job is simply to set an appointment over the phone and uh, to see them in person or sell the whole thing over the phone these days, especially, or just to have the lead card or the Facebook lead in hand, arrive unannounced and, and get our foot in the door to close them on the first call. And really just to repeat, rinse and repeat that day in, day out. I have a question. So, yeah. so a lot, we talked to a lot of captive agents that, you know, the way captives work is you sell the, the, uh, the personal lines and then they want you to sell life as well. Um, and a lot of agents have a hard time opening up that life conversation, even though we already have a warm lead because they're already at your agency. How do you go from taking a bot lead, a hard one, into, hey, you're going to die. I have something for you. <laughs> well, so I, I think we have the added benefit of in the senior market, old people think about dying more, you know, because they've mm -hmm. lived around death now at this point in their life. And a lot of the people that end up buying have gone through a life event. I talk a lot about with my new agents that a lot of insurance is a life event uh, purchase. Or it's centered around a life event, getting married, getting divorced. You know, um, it's coronavirus is a life event. And uh, all of this is to say that our, our market is really in a position that they've had a spouse died, maybe a friend who's died. And they're world-class procrastinators. They put it off long enough, but this is kind of like death, you know, grabbing their labels and shaking them awake. And so we kind of have that on our side, whereas I, I feel I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not 100 percent accurate here, but I feel like a younger demographic, a life insurance purchase is more discretionary. Uh, there's always next year to buy it. I'm in my 40s. I'm not going to die. Right. right? You know? So I think it's an easier sale to a senior because you always want it when you can't get it or when you get close to not being able to get it like like some of these people.
So I guess what what does that first conversation look like? I'm, I'm sure you guys have a, some sort of talk path that you go right into uh, right away. What does that look like? So I teach a strategy based off of open-ended questioning. Uh, I am not uh, the type of uh, agent or a trainer that believes in a high-pressure, assumptive style of selling. I really want to know what makes my clients tick. I want to know why they bothered to send back this card. Uh, if you know a little bit about our demographic, they're inundated with Colonial Pen, um, AARP, and a myriad of other companies trying to vie for their life insurance business. And most of the time, what do they do? They, they're like us. They toss the crap in the garbage. So why did yeah. they do it this time? Why did they send this back? So we start the conversation knowing what the thoughts and concerns were, the emotions behind the reason why. And then maybe from there, we unearth what, what happened recently. Did they lose a loved one? Um, what caused them now to take action like this? What do they want their life insurance policy to do? Did they want to be buried or cremated? Do they have existing coverage? Um, all of this really builds uh, what I believe is a, a high level of trust. Uh, we listen to them. They appreciate that. That builds our rapport with them. And it's, it's not complicated uh, in the sense, you know, people kind of know they need to do this when we sit down with them. Not everybody. Some people are in denial or they push it off for sure. But the ones you're going to buy, if you just ask a good line of questions along those routes, you're going to uncover all sorts of you know, emotional reasons to motivate the purchase of life insurance. So really, that's where everything hangs around is, is the open-ended questioning, uh, along with some other pre-qualifying uh, strategies that we use. So we don't waste our time in a, a door that or a, a home that the person's unqualified for some reason. That's real interesting. Do you... Um... It sounds similar to, to something that we experienced and, and we just talked about on one of our, our training calls was, is do you have two parts of the sale? Meaning um, what we see a lot because we buy leads, right? We buy, in fact, we buy some of the crummier internet leads just because we want volume, right? Eventually, if we have the right machine, they're going to, they're going to come around. You know, it's just, it's, it's sure. not a no, it's a not yet, um, right. especially when you have a built out and we keep hitting them. So we have somebody that we transfer over and we, we start talking to them. The first initial point or the first initial part of that is actually selling them on just saying yes to the quote, right? They, they, they said they filled something out. Now maybe they got called a million times. All these people are bugging them and we have to break through that and say, look, we get it. You've already been quoted. Yeah. Your spouse does it, whatever the objection is. And we have to work past that to get them to just say yes to the quote. Then's the second is the second sale, which is actually creating the value connecting and, and then ultimately having them purchase from us. Do you have the same, is it the same thing or is it right into the sale? Sort of, kind of. So it depends. Now there are different ways to skin a cat. There mm -hmm. I've seen scripts that are three pages long and it's, they're literally closing from the uh, from the first hello. Mm. Um, I prefer when it comes to final expense, a more deliberate, longer term, multi-page script that lasts probably a conversation in the 45 to 60 minute arena. The Ooh, things okay. we have to contend with uh, selling over the phone, especially is building rapport and trust. Uh, seniors sure. are taught to be afraid of somebody trying to take their money over the phone. So you've got to intentionally build more rapport, less so if you're face to face with the client. But the way that we sub, we basically, it's a little different either face to face or over the phone. Over the, if we're doing face to face appointments, our strategy is just to set an appointment with as little information as possible. If they object to something like, I just want to see the price, the rebuttal to that is, hey, that's fine. 
All I need is 10 minutes to show you what that is, what you do with the information is up to you. House Tuesday at 10 or 2. So we try mm. not to sell the product. We sell the appointment, but we use the presentation to sell the product because a lot of this for us is just getting in the door. And then once we're in the door, it basically revolves around step one, build rapport, formally introduce yourself so they know who you are and why you're there. Step two, pre-qualify, discover if this prospect is a qualified buyer or an unqualified suspect. And if they are unqualified, pick your bag up and go to the next one. Step three, educate, build value in what it is that you're selling and why your, your option is the better choice. And then four is close and handle uh, any kind of objections. And that's pretty much the same on the phone, just it's slower on the phone. We want to slow everything down, explain process a little more clearly, build rapport a little bit more longer, just because we don't have that advantage of a face-to-face presentation to just that it automatically gives you all of that. So you can kind of cut corners and speed things along a little faster. Yeah. David, I, I love these sales talks. Can, can you help? Because I think that especially some of the younger producers that come in, they get real kind of skeeved out or it's icky to eject, right? So they end up, once they've found that this is an unqualified non-suspect, like they're just, it's, it's not going to work. They still end up sitting there eating up a half hour of their time. How do you eject without number one, feeling bad and number two, just keeping it okay? So great question. Here's the thing that, that is underlying that neediness to ex- extract something from nothing. And it all comes from the, 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 you have to, as an agent, operate from a position of power at all times. And what do I mean by that? The worst situation you can be in is too few people to talk to. The right. best situation to be in is too many people to talk to. And that's the best problem to have, I should say. So you as an agent, new agents, and if you're struggling like this and you feel like you're wasting time with prospects, one of the biggest things you can do is simply ramp up your uh, sales funnel, get in front of more leads, and that will put pressure on you to start to qualify. I think the first step is to fill up your schedule. Second step is once you have too many leads above and beyond that, to start qualifying those people that you see so that hopefully you're just sitting with people who are the highest odds buyers. But the thing you have to understand, I mean, to kind of more or less answer what your question was, I learned early on in in the final expense business that it was pointless to talk to somebody that had no need or want or bank account. They're not willing to draft or a budget. And the sooner I realized, the more time I spent, even though I may have known that, did not 99% of the time equate to a sale. So I was wasting time by default. So it became my objective to quickly figure out if this somebody, I want to know if this prospect is a high odds buyer, okay? Doesn't mean they'll buy if they match all my pre-qualification criteria, but I know through the process of doing appointments over and over that me spending undue, unnecessary time with somebody who doesn't meet my qualifications is just a waste of time. So, Mm. you know... If, if you're an agent out there that goes through this, first of all, it's exhausting to sit down and try to sell someone who will refuse to bank draft. Let's say we have that happen sometimes at final expense or to try to sell someone on a budget they claim they can't afford. Um, and it will have a mental impact on you eventually. And you'll start to become jaded, frustrated, uh, beating clients up. 
And, and I think too, it leads to lower quality of business too, not to mention just more frustration. So the solution is just, you know, def- decide what factors you need to have in order to sell someone. You know, what are the pre-qualification criteria? Uh, and ask for those early on. And if the person doesn't meet them, even if it's just one of those criteria, for me, we walk out. If they don't want a bank draft and they can't pay an annual premium or a semi-annual premium, I get up, stand up, shake hands and say, hey, look, we can't help you. Have a nice day. They will stop Ooh. you if they actually want it. But why waste my time? I've got, yeah. again, to mention my other point. I've got too many people to talk to. You, you, right. why, why am I going to waste my time trying to push something on somebody that just, yeah. is, you know, stuck? It's that scarcity, right? I mean, it, it's like if, if, if you know everybody wants something, you're like, why does everybody want that? Right. How many how many times have you gotten up? Because that's a that's one of those ballsy moves. Right. That's one of those probably it it would make somebody nervous to 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 do that, especially if they don't have a a ton of appointments. But um, what kind of reactions do you get? What percentage of the time does somebody say, you know what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. So so a little story. I grew up in a household without a father and I think I played father figure to my mother and and. In the sense that I listened to her complain about her day every day she came home from work. So <laughs> I, I became a very good listener, which in fact makes me, I think, a good salesperson. So um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm polite. When I talk to people, I listen. I have a penchant towards shutting up and letting somebody else talk. I'm curious about what goes on in their lives. But what I've realized is that when it comes to the, and I, so I, so I had a sense of, you know, am I being a jerk by shutting this off early? You know, I just got here, you know, am am I coming off the wrong way? What I realized is that the people who, it doesn't matter what people think. Okay. It's your business. All right. And you're, you got mouths to feed. You've got a family to take care of. If they're not interested in buying, the chances are they don't have the guts to tell you either. They're kind of waiting for you to leave. And if they just don't meet the criteria and you just say, hey, look, um, and I'm applied about it. I'm just like, you know, look, this obviously doesn't seem like it makes sense for you. If you can't let us bank draft, look, I appreciate your time. You guys have a good day. They don't they don't yell at you. I mean, they're like relieved, you know, because they're thinking, well, how am I going to get this guy to my house? You know, I don't really ha- you know, I don't want a bank draft and I don't want to be rude either. You know, so it's not really that negatively received ever. Uh, if anything, it's a relief to the prospect and it should be a relief to you because you're not going through this exhaustive process of trying to, you know, squeeze blood out of a turnip. Isn't it funny? The, 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 the stories that we have going on in our brain, like before we talk to them, we're like, we don't want to bother them because they don't want our stuff. And now we're in front of them and we don't want to bother them because they don't, they actually don't. And we're afraid to leave. You know, it's just like, look, you just got to get over it. Get out of this, this thing up here, this dome can just mess you up. We, we don't have, I don't, I, I legitimately don't think for most of us, we have actual competition. Uh, from from like exteriorly, you know, we don't like you guys are I'm not worried about you You know, you shouldn't be worried about me What you should be worried about is what's up here in the brain because that's that's what causes more problems than some Yes, you know, big 100%. producer that's gonna rewrite all your business like that never happens. <laughs> <Right. laughs> no, it's so true. It's every day like right I, like salespeople have the hardest 
I think salespeople in general have the hardest, um, the, the, them themselves are definitely the hardest uh, adversary, right? Because it's right. a ton of no's, a ton of things that don't go right to get to those ones that do. You know what I mean? So you're, the, the majority is uh, kind of negativity or, or what? Well, I guess it doesn't have to be negativity if, if you, you know, if you're readjusting it up here. And yeah. you don't have to. The paradox of this business is the best salespeople here know the most. And so, I mean, you made like, yeah, if you're a good salesperson, guess what? You're probably going to get, if you call no negativity. It's all a matter of perception, of course. Right. Uh, but you're going to hear that more. That's what's crazy. It's like, even despite like in our business, I, I tell agents, look, if 75% of your leads tell you to go to hell uh, nicely or meanly, and you've got 25% of them that say, yes, I'll buy, you're a great agent. You have a 250 batting average. You're doing fantastic. You can scale your business that way. You can make a lot of money. You should be happy with that. But still, you're going to hear no in some way, some way, three times as much as that one. Yes. And that will always be that way. It's never going to get, well, it might slightly get better to like three out of 10, but it's rarely going to get better than that. And still a vast majority are going to be negative, if you will. Yeah. Yep. How do you, I mean, so how do you work past that? How do you always readjust? And, and I mean, you've done very well for yourself. So, and I, you've obviously brought up some struggles uh, that you had going back and forth and stuff. So how, how have you kept positive and been able to, to pursue uh, to get where you are? So it's a power in numbers. You don't care as much about the outcome when you have too many people to see. This is a state of mind that you, you can more easily access when you literally have 10 appointments a day. If I have an agent who has five appointments a week, when the goal is 15, they're going to hang on to each of those presentations uh, much more. Why? Because their mortgage depends on it. You know, they're getting commission breath, as we call it. So the solution <laughs> is just to do more activity. There, it's funny. I was talking to an agent about this uh, yesterday, and um, there, some people think, well, I doing 15, 20 appointments a week and buying enough leads to support that, that's expensive. That's a lot of money. That's a big risk. And yes, it is on some level, but I would also argue it's actually less risk. You're mitigating the risk of really bad weeks because you have so much activity pouring into your weekly rounds of appointments that the likelihood of the numbers working in your favor are much higher at 15 plus appointments a week than if you're at five. So I think yep. that's what happens is it, it, it dawned on me and I realized, wow, uh, you can, you know, mitigate some of this head game by sheer activity and numbers and workload. And you care, but you, you get to the point where you care, but not that much. You know, it doesn't matter. And that actually, I think your clients sense that when you're not desperate, when you want to help them, but if they don't want it, hey, that's fine. They can sense it. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's just kind of like a instinct, I guess. And that's yeah. helpful probably for selling more policies too. I mean, the beauty in sales is that it all comes down to those numbers and you can work it out. You can always reverse engineer it, right? If the closing percentage is 20, well, then you need five, you're going to get one. That's just the way it's going to shake out. If you get, if you, if you do 10, then you're going to get two. Like it always works out. And it's, it's so remarkable that people get in this thing where they're like, well, I did two quotes. Okay. Well, if you did two and you need 10 to get 
two sales, then that you need five days to get your two instead of one day, right? Like why not do all of it and just let it fall into, into place instead of hanging on, you know, I'm going to do two and I'm going to get really good and I'm going to get one of them. No, it, you're not. It isn't going to happen. That's not the way the numbers shake out. So, so I, if anything, yeah, go ahead. So I, I have to, yeah, let me, let me interject. Cause I think this is relevant. Yeah. Um, I heard this from an agent I interviewed a couple of years ago. Um, his name is Nick. And he said the way that he looks at this business is that it's process oriented, not results oriented. We mm-hmm. fixate as agents on how many closed deals did we do or how many can we do where we should really fixate on is how many appointments are we running? Or what kind of activity are we getting? The inputs, not the outputs. Because if you do the inputs over a longer period of time, there is likely, like you said, there's going to be a smoothing out of the results. And we know that with enough inputs give over a longer period of time, the, the output puts, the results will be there. But we think more about this and less about that. So where our obsession and our focus should be is on, on hitting our daily activity metrics. Because added up, they're going to result in those long-term goals. And, and, and the thing, too, to remember that's just as important, we as human beings live in the moment for the most part, from appointment to appointment, from day to day, when really the best results, the best measurement of results come month to month, even quarter to quarter. But that is very hard for a lot of people, including myself, to stay consistently thinking of the long term, because we are an animal that thinks what's right in front of us, how do we react right now in the moment? So again, how it comes right back to you being the worst cog in this machine. Yeah. How can you conquer yourself? I think is the instant gratification, right? We need the instant gratification. So you do all this work today. How come I don't win today? Well, you're going to win in three months or, or a month or whatever, however long that pipeline is. And as long as you keep shoving the leads in the front end, they will come out the back. But the second you stop in three months, you just shot yourself in the foot, right? Yeah. Two months or whatever it is, you know? So man, fascinating. What I see two books behind you. Those three. have to be it, three. Oh, there's a hidden one. Hidden. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, tell, tell us about those. So um, I have authored a few books uh, for those Ooh. that still read books. Uh, the first <laughs> of them was the official guide to selling final expense insurance, which okay. is just basically my whole uh, sales and marketing system inside of a 150 page book or something like that. Um, nice. The blue book behind this shoulder is uh, a, a transcription of about 15 interviews I did with top producing agents and agency owners. It's really just transcripts of interviews. Um, The concept behind that was I really think that by reading about top producers, you can you can glean so many lessons. Um, So it's just really just transcripts of interviews, but so much you can just pick up by reading how multiple successful people do things. You can kind of start reading between the lines and start seeing patterns of what people did in order to become and maintain their success. And this green book behind the other shoulder is the official guide to selling insurance for new agents. So I put that together. It's a very quick read, 100 pages or less. It's really designed to talk about the truth of this business, what to be concerned with, um, kind of the inside baseball that most people are unaware of when they get Mm. started, and really how to avoid the most common obstacles, landmines, if you will, uh, in order to give yourself a fair shot so that you don't end up in the wrong agency or selling the wrong product because you just didn't do your due diligence. Moneyball, baby. Love it. So you've done... 
gosh, you've done countless interviews. I mean, you've been doing this for a while. You wrote three books, which I'm sure took a lot of time and research and thought behind. Um, what would you give? What would you say the number one piece of advice you'd give any insurance agent out there that would be a game changer for them? Focus. Focus is everything. Ooh. So let me, so I, I read a book, I think, maybe in a Tony Robbins book or something else. And the author approached uh, at a dinner, uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett were both there. And they were talking Ooh. and he approached him and said, <laughs> okay, both of you, I have a question for you. What one thing matters most to the fact of how you've been successful in life? And both of them said focus. So I, I think in the insurance business, uh -huh. It's kind of ironic, you know. There's so many opportunities. There's too many opportunities now. Uh, there's yep. a book up here by a guy named Randall Baskin. Uh, that's a really good book. It's called Growing Rich. Uh, Randall Baskin started American Continental, which is a Medicare uh, a supplemental type of plan uh, company. They eventually sold off to now what's Aetna. Uh, it was a, literally a mom and pop startup, and he's Oof. grew up poor in Middle Tennessee in a tin roof dirt you know, a uh, floor with a very bipolar mother, a drunk dad. I mean, just the worst conditions and went from rags to riches. It's a great story to read. Um, but, um, oh boy, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're good. Uh, I, I love how, I, I, I love how they both said focus. I'm still like, yes, focus. There we go. I can't I, focus I on the focus. I'm getting <laughs> description there. So yeah, so. That was on purpose. Yeah. So he had gotten into the business. He only had one choice, one choice that was working for the supplemental insurance business. He didn't have a litany of Craigslist job postings and Indeed job posting about everybody was making a million dollars. I like I like him to think that back in the day it was easier to just focus because you didn't have the opportunity not to focus. Whereas nowadays, everybody's telling you how great their, you know, their thing is. So you really have to focus what I believe is on one particular product. For me, it was final expense. I don't think there's a product that's um, better than another uh, per se. It comes down to the individual and what matters. But I think what you should do as an agent getting into this business is figure out what product really matches you the best. Put your blinders on and then go all into that thing. Become the master of it. I think you'll have better success if you do that, as opposed to being more generic, doing multiple things. I think that's going to make you scatterbrained. It's not going to make you nearly as effective. So that's why I think focus matters so much. Yeah. Over and over we hear the riches are the riches are in the niches, right? We got a niche down. Um, it happens with with PNC agents. They want to do everything, right? Oh, I'm going to do commercial, and I'm going to do uh, uh, home and auto, and I'm going to do life. It's like no, no, man. Focus on what you're good at. Focus on what's going to max your bonus, and all the other stuff. Give it out to somebody else. You got to stay focused. Yes. You got to stay focused. You know, yeah. otherwise, you're what is it? The master of none. So, um, yeah. man, David, I, I don't, I don't know if you guys would agree on your behalf, but I can tell you this, like. I've, I've thought, you know, I have this large YouTube channel following, right? I've thought about putting a YouTube video out that says, stop watching my YouTube channel. <laughs> and then what you I should. would talk about on the video is, look, if you've decided to sell insurance and you picked your product, like in a way, you really need to stop watching all these videos I put out because you need to focus on whomever you've joined as an agency and listen to their process. Because watching all this content, watching all this stuff, is a distraction. It can be a growth opportunity, 
But many times for some people, it's, it draws them away from the clear pathway that the agency teaches, the sales and marketing system. And so it's, I don't know, I'm kind of caught between two areas because YouTube's great. There's a lot of great information on there, but there comes a point when you have to just go all in. And well, it's, it, it comes to being a t very intentional with it. I think so many times, like there's so much great information. There's so many people coming out with just content that is, is amazing, but it's being intentional with it. It's saying, yes. okay, I, this is my goal. This can help me get there. And then just focusing on, on that content till you know what that is to get to that area instead of just constantly getting into that mode of, which I've been in a lot. A, a lot. Rain yet again. Knowledge. I need yeah. to just know just a little bit more. I just uh, need to know just to, wait, just one little more thing. Yeah. Right. And it, the, the younger guy, wheel. you see it with the younger people too. It's like, wait, I, as soon as I master this product, then I'll sell. No, yeah. just sell. Just get know, on the I've phone. Heard. I don't know about you guys. I've seen top producers and you're, uh, you'd be shocked at how not geniuses they are. Like, <laughs> right. Like they're hustlers. people like, I mean, I've seen people that are huge six figure earners that dropped out of high school and it, it kind of real makes you question like, okay, is intelligence really that important? It's like, not really. I mean, it's a good thing, but there's something more to it, at least within the confines of the insurance business that a person has to have like a work ethic. You know, consistent yeah. work ethic, you know, and, and that's a lot harder to find than, than IQ. And, Who'd you uh, rather yeah. have on your baseball team, A-Rod or Pete Rose? Pete Rose all day long, right? Charlie Hustle. He's going to get those singles. Yeah. I, <laughs> Cal Rose, Pete Rose. Yeah, yeah. Cal, there you go. <laughs> yeah, just <joking. laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, now the quote I'm thinking of, I could totally be butchering this, but was it Leonardo... Um, not DiCaprio, <laughs> Da Vinci said uh, the sophistication is simplicity. Like just keeping it simple, right? For sales and everything else is keeping it simple. Like the so, one, like, yeah. what's the one thing that you're going to be freaking awesome at? So it, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's so true. And it, it's like that in a lot of different um, performance-based activities like final expense. So I do jujitsu, right? And yeah. so jujitsu... They're the same thing. It's funny how how much jujitsu reflects insurance sales. There are fundamental techniques in jujitsu that you need to know. There are a lot of videos and there's a lot of temptation to try to learn these oddball techniques that have no application in the real world. And a lot of people who who are practitioners of jujitsu start learning these oddball techniques and getting away from the fundamentals. And while that works in the short term, over the long term, their overall growth and technical capability uh, suffers because they didn't do the hard work of the basics. They got away from the fundamentals. So people who they were tapping early on as blue belts, now as purple belts, they're getting beat left and right because they didn't pay their dues. So it's, it's just funny because that's just how this business is. This is not a complicated business. It's, it's simple. It's not easy. But um, you got to do the fundamentals. You know, it, it's yeah. really not that complicated it's simple like you said it's yeah. not that complicated david dude you brought the you brought the fire you brought the the knowledge nuggets today how can people get a hold of you wow that was a fast it's it's wow holy crap that was fast <laughs> looking down <laughs> at the clock wow that went fast okay uh it did you can go to two different spots you can go to daviddoford.com 
and check my website out. Check out my, got a ton of uh, free content on there, all about selling final expense, Medicare and annuities, lots of other topics as well. Uh, also, people love my YouTube channel. Uh, best way to go there is just uh, go to YouTube, put in my name, David Duford, D-U-F-O-R-D, and uh, start going down the YouTube black hole. <laughs> Love it. it. And, and honestly, everything that you talked about sales and insurance uh, could easily apply to um, could apply to any kind of insurance. So just to say final exp this this even this episode or I'm sure ever all of your other content uh, would apply to anybody in insurance sales. And I mean, the principles are 100. I 100% agree with everything you've said. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. Love cool, it, man. man. Thank you so much. This has been Thank awesome. You. Incredible. Thanks, yeah. Ryan. Yeah, we'll link up. Uh, we'll link down those links that you just said uh, in the show notes, so you can hop on there. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to head over and hear the whole EP um, and over on iTunes. So, uh, talk soon, man. Really good to have you. Thanks, guys. Y'all Thank take you. care. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. Hey, you've got to check out the Insurance Dudes Inner Circle coming soon where you get extended interviews as well as live coffee talks in our private Facebook group. Join the mailing list today at theinsurancedudespodcast.com. Hey, thanks for checking out the Insurance Dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.